Good day, everyone, and welcome to Detroit Today on 1019 WDET. I'm your host, Stephen Henderson, and I'm really glad you've decided to join us. Governor Gretchen Whitmer has been with us in Lansing for five years now. That's five years of trying to advance bills through the legislature, five years of cutting deals and politicking to see what she could get done, five years of state of the state addresses. And last night, Governor Whitmer had another one. In it, she spoke about things that she wants to pass in the coming year, including creating an innovation fund to invest in startups, advancing free community college and universal preschool for people in our state, and issuing a caregiver tax credit and building tens of thousands of new homes. Until about the end of 2023, uh, Democrats in Lansing had a pretty slim majority in both houses of the legislature. And with that, they were able to accomplish an awful lot. Michigander saw a slew of bills get passed, including gun control reform, protections for abortion and for LGBTQ residents, voting reforms that make it easier to cast a ballot. Uh, we saw the repeal of right-to-work laws, and I'll note uh, briefly that the sky didn't fall after that happened, uh, something that was uh, kind of threatened by people who support uh, right-to-work. Uh, we also saw bills that mandate a 100% clean energy standard and increase the in earned income tax uh, credit. So the big question is, what's next for Governor Whitmer and for the legislature? Of course, every year we see the governor of this state make uh, a speech in Lansing talking about his or her priorities for the next 12 months. Sometimes that is the foundation for an awful lot of activity and lots of things get done. Other times uh, it's a little less clear what the outcome will actually be. Is this a year like the former or is it a year like the latter? It's also an election year uh, here in the state and of course that always confounds uh, legislative action and policy. So that's where we want to start the conversation today. What's next for Governor Whitmer and the legislature? What kinds of things might they pass here in 2024? And will they recover that Democratic majority that they had before two state House members left to run for local mayorships in order to make that possible, or at least more possible, uh, to get some of those things done? We want to hear from you, of course, uh, during this conversation as well. Give us a call, 313-577-1019, just to let us know what you thought about uh, the State of the State address, uh, what you think about the prospects for a Democratic agenda here in Michigan in 2024. Uh, maybe there were things that you wish the governor had talked about or talked more about. Uh, give us a call. Let us know. Again, 313-577-1019. You can also go to Twitter and hashtag Detroit Today, uh, and that will uh, be another way you can participate in uh, the conversation. We do have a number of guests today on the phones, and so it'll be harder to take phone calls during the conversation. Uh, Twitter may be the better way to get uh, your comments on the air today. But uh, if you do really want to talk to somebody, 
give us a call. You can talk to the producers, and they can pass along your message to me here in the studio. All right, so let's get started. Uh, we've got three great three great guests with us to talk about uh, what we saw last night. Uh, we'll start with Lauren Gibbons, who is a reporter who covers Michigan politics for Bridge, Michigan. Lauren, great to have you back here on Detroit Today. Yeah, thanks for having me. Also with us is Zach Gorchow. He is the executive editor and publisher of Gongor News Service Michigan. He's also co-host of the Mitch Mash uh, podcast, which you hear right here on WDET. Zach, welcome back to Detroit Today. Great to be here, Stephen. And finally, we've got Greg Bowens with us. He is a political and communications consultant here in uh, Detroit. Greg, always great to have you here as well. Hey, Stephen. That's great. To Glad have to be you. here, man. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> okay, Lauren, I'm going to start with you. Um, uh, I want to start with a clip of the governor from last night, and then I'm going to get you to react to it. We should have the freedom to live the way that you want. That is the American dream. And you should be able to chase that in Michigan. At our best, that's what we are, a home for opportunity, for people seeking a good life and a good cost of living. Tonight, that's what I'm going to focus on, how we keep lowering costs, how we improve education to set up our children for success, make more stuff right here in Michigan, and compete with the world. That was the kind of framing that the governor started off with uh, last night for the speech that she was going to give. Lauren, uh, what was your reaction? Yeah, you know, um, Stephen, I was surprised you didn't play one of her many 80s rock references. <laughs> we'll talk about those a little later. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so, so clearly uh, Governor Whitmer is going into this year, as you mentioned, uh, there's a tied house. Um, needs at least a little Republican support on anything she's proposing. So we didn't see any um, of the 2023 goals, the, uh, the goals that uh, clearly needed a Democratic majority to go through. Um, you're seeing a turn towards, um, you know, at least in theory, more bipartisan issues. Um, affordable housing was a big thing she touched on. Economic development is something that the governor and legislative leaders have said they want to continue digging into, and they might be able to get bipartisan support for it. So I think the whole theme of this state of the state was really, what can I get done while we're waiting for those two House seats to be filled. Yeah. Um, and also during an election year um, when the House is up for re-election. So it's a, you know, I guess a scaled back expectations for the year, um, but still trying to get some big stuff in there. Um, obviously education was a major focus with uh, community college and uh, pre-K for all um, big focuses of the speech. So, so I think that's what we're looking at. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Zach, what did you make of the, the, the scope, I guess, in the framing of of the governor's speech? Uh, as I said, you know, the governor gives the speech every year. Uh, some years it, it, it is the kind of curtain raiser on a lot of activity in Lansing. Sometimes uh, we don't get so far with uh, with those ideas. Again, this is an election year. There is a tie in the House instead of a Democratic majority. Uh, was this uh, sort of a, a more modest set of proposals from the governor? Oh, I think so. And, and modest might be being generous. This yeah. was very restrained. Uh, I think it reflects 
the situation that, that you and Lauren were discussing, which is that the Democratic majority in the House is not in effect right now with this 50-54 to 54 tie in place until the end of April. It also reflects by mid-June, uh, the legislature will likely adjourn for the summer to go out and campaign. So you're looking at a window of, at best, six to eight weeks in from late April to mid-June for the Democratic legislature to be at full power. And its full focus is going to be on the budget at that point, not on policy bills. And I think that's part of why the two biggest items in this speech last night – the two free years of community college covered by uh, state taxpayers and the expansion of the state's preschool program to to all four-year-olds, speeding that up. Those are budget items. Uh, Those are not policy bills. And I think there's a recognition there. Well, we know we have to have a budget. So what big budget items can we do? Because they're going to go out to campaign They're really not going to be back, most likely, in a meaningful way until after the November election after that. There just isn't very much time uh, for the, uh, you know, kind of kneecapped Democratic majority right now to do very much. And after a very big 2023, which you, you know, laid out very well, uh, this is a very um, scaled back. Hmm. I think Lauren's exactly right. Uh, approach for 2024 yeah uh greg uh, what was your reaction to to what the governor said and and again the scope of of her ambitions yeah i think mine is a little different from zach and laura's who i really appreciate uh from this perspective we have been stuck in a morass for a long time people are not responding to you know build back better and the economy growing and rises in pay and victories in the that the labor unions have won in the kind of way that inspires us and i think that what we saw tonight was not a scaled back version of a bunch of promises for legislators legislative stuff that will get done but a uh, a cheerleading uh, almost coach-like kind of uh, speech to inspire people. And it's reflective, I think, of what we'll see in the presidential election. Let me tell you why I say this right quick. Mm-hmm. One is, is because I uh, say cheerleader, she was everything from Michigan blue to the lion's pen to waving the flag <laughs> to talking about how they represented the lions, our ability to win, to overcome and uh, and painting this picture of victories in the past and how people doubted us and uh, and by saying stuff like free lunches for all kids, making that a goal, talking about the pocketbook issues that impact us and saying that we can do this is a big deal. And meantime, right after that, you get the doom and gloom from the GOP, you know, mad about, you know, changes to third grade reading levels. And, you know, the undercurrent of that is, is no free lunch for you. (laughs) (laughs) You're just spending money like crazy, you know? And I think that that, 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 that juxtaposition of, of hope and grit and accomplishment next to doom and gloom is really I'm going to make a difference here, and I think it's going to be reflected in the presidential election. So, you know, hmm. uh, kudos to her, and I don't see it as a scaled-back version. Maybe maybe a scaled-back, you know, you guys, the policy wonks, talk about, you know, what we can get out of the legislature, but it was hyped up on what we can do. Let's take that field. Let's charge that hill. I saw that. 
So, so I want to read a, a quick uh, Twitter comment and then get uh, Zach and Lauren back into the conversation here. Uh, Jake Near, who used to be a uh, producer here on uh, Detroit Today, he was a senior producer for uh, some time. He says this was a banal do no harm speech that went out of its way to avoid controversial issues. And then GOP leaders Matt Hall and Eric Nesbitt went on public radio stations and called it the most partisan speech in recent history. What speech were they watching? Uh, uh, Lauren, this idea of uh, whether the speech was modest or scaled back, uh, I think, is at least uh, somewhat uh, put in perspective by that response, right? I mean, and, and you never expect that Republican lawmakers are going to stand up and cheer a Democratic uh, governor's uh, address. But there was this very, uh, I, th- I think, just reflexively awful uh, response from the leadership. Uh, and, and they mischaracterized, I thought, uh, what, what, what she said. And, what, and it, it does seem to mis- mismatch with uh, what you and Zach are saying was the kind of, again, what the ambitions of the speech were. Yeah, I think, uh, I, I definitely think that there's, you know, that when I spoke to Republicans after the speech, uh, there were definitely concerns about the approach. Um, when I was referring to bipartisan, I was, as I said, more bipartisan ideas, things that in theory, uh, could be embraced by both parties, um, it, not necessarily in practice. Um, so I'll just clarify that. But um, when we heard from Republicans yesterday, um, one one Republican told me uh, they're concerned that uh, some of Governor Whitmer's proposals will take us back to the 80s. He yeah. was pretty concerned about um, the economic development plan um, to, to bring back uh, a Snyder era um, economic development tool, um, but also also concerned about just making the tax structure more complicated. Um, so so there were definitely concerns, and I think um, you know overall uh, Republicans have been critical of Governor Whitmer's approach throughout her tenure. Um, so so it does remain to be seen, you know, how much Republicans and Democrats will be able to get along. There has been some optimism, at least on the economic development front. Um, but, yeah, it, it really just depends on what the actual policy looks like, as Zach mentioned earlier, what the budget ends up looking like, um, because there's a lot of ways for people to disagree on yeah. things that seem pretty benign. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Zach, what about that Republican response? Uh, I guess, were you surprised by how how virulent it was, given that, uh, as you put it, this was, this was a pretty scaled back list of priorities from the governor? No, I mean, look, the, the, the party out of power is never going to praise the governor's speech. I, I don't you change the parties. It's just this is part of the drill. Um, I thought her speech last year was far more partisan uh-huh. than this year. There were times last year where she was flat out trolling the Republicans <laughs> in the House chamber, looking at them as she ticked off a list of things they didn't do that she was going to do. Mm-hmm. So I, I, I would disagree with them from that standpoint. I do want to say, I think Greg is absolutely right. This was a speech far more about, look what we did, than here's what we're going to do. And this was definitely laden with 2024 uh, messaging, uh, election messaging. Uh, President Biden was mentioned 
by name twice. There was a reference to the president another time beyond that. And she went through a very detailed list of all the things the Democratic uh, government in Michigan did last year, which, you know, she didn't quite say it outright. But it, 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 I re- if you read between the lines, it was, look what you get when Democrats are in power. Mm-hmm. And it, she didn't put it quite that overtly, but that was definitely the takeaway. So th- I, I agree with Greg. Th- this was far more of a, you know, fire up Michigan, look what we did, you know, support Democrats in 2024, not a here is my agenda for the year. And it's very detailed and big asks. It was it was smaller scale asks and fewer and fewer of them. Yeah, yeah. Okay, we're gonna take a quick break. We'll be right back with more Detroit today. I, I want to start uh, this segment talking about. This housing issue that the governor uh, that the governor brought up—it's uh, again—it's not something we have talked an awful lot about here in Michigan, at least not from a practical or policy uh, standpoint. Uh, Zach, I'll start with you this time. Uh, what did you make of the governor's focus, uh, at least for a bit, on the need for new housing? Well, this was part of the report from the Growing Michigan Together Council that mm-hmm. the governor appointed to look at ways to grow the state's population. And one of the points that report made was that, that Michigan has a dearth of quality, affordable housing. That you know, so much of the state's housing stock was built, you know, post, you know, in the post World War II era, and it's, you know in a lot of cases, did not standing the test of time. It wasn't built as well as, as homes built pre-World War II. Um, and there's just, not, you know, people like new homes. That's a draw for people. And, and there needs to be a combination of new and rehabilitated housing. So I think the big question is, how is this $1.4 billion, you know, being handled? You know, traditionally, MISHTA, the Michigan State Housing Development Authority, uses its bonding authority uh, to fund its activities. Uh, it, it's not yet clear if that's the source of this or if there's going to be kind of new and somewhat unprecedented use of the state's general fund to pay for this. Um, but it certainly is uh, a significant dollar commitment. Um, you know, 10,000 new units of housing, I, I don't know that that's going to move the needle much overall, but it's, it's certainly a, it would be a pretty significant first stop. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Greg Bowens, uh, when she was talking yesterday and, uh, and brought this up, the immediate thing that came to my mind is how different the housing issues are in places like Detroit and Southeast Michigan, uh, where we live and, uh, what they would look like in, in some other parts of the state. And I think, one of the tricky uh, parts of, of this issue is for the governor to, uh, you know, to advocate f- in the right way uh, for everyone, right? Uh, and, and that may not be possible. Uh, I mean, the, the, the housing needs that we have here in the city, for instance, uh, are, are really acute at the lower end of, of the economic scale. Some other places, it's, it's more middle-class kinds of housing that we need. I, I, I felt a little like, mm, uh, I'm not sure how you're going to pull that off. I'm not sure I would have brought this up. 
Well, I can understand what you uh, what you mean when you say that, particularly when we look at things through the sort of old time dynamic of urban versus suburban versus rural. But kind of been actually this is that there's a lot more that connects us across these lines of geography um, than doesn't. And when I say that, you will find that many of the issues facing us here in Detroit, Metro Detroit, Southeastern Michigan are also reflected in other parts of the state, like the west side of the state. If we take the Sagatog Douglas area, for example, it's, you know, wrong perspective that housing prices have been blown through the roof as people from outstate and mm-hmm. other folks use it for vacation homes. At the same time, people who live in that in that Holland, West Side, you know, Kalamazoo area are being pushed out of housing. And so you have people who have more income going into middle class income who are pushing who are also going into uh, lower class sort of neighborhoods and revitalizing them and stuff like that, pushing people out. And so the need for new affordable housing is not just something that you see in Midtown or the North End, but it's also in other places around the state. And that's the thing that connects us all. These economic drivers that are pushing up housing prices that we saw Mayor Duggan talk about, you know, not too long ago, how much your housing values have gone up. Sure. Well, that means that there's there's less affordable housing for people when, you know, they're looking to buy. And that same kind of thing is happening on the west side of the state. So she can connect and we can connect the common problems that we have with having more affordable housing across this state because of the same kind of economic pressures. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Lauren, uh, Zach, points out this is something that came out of the Growing Michigan Together Council uh, research and and report. Um, uh, talk about the, the the housing needs though, and and how the governor uh, might leverage uh, you know uh, her position and and the work of the legislature uh, to to address it in in again a year that that seems like it might be kind of tough to to get much of her agenda through. Yeah, certainly. And I think that I think the way that this could be, you know, leveraged or included as part of um, as part of uh, the budget or another um, another policy initiative would be, you know, just to emphasize the statewide needs. Um, You know, her plan involves spending um, about one point four billion dollars to build or rehabilitate 10,000 homes across the state. And uh, certainly I don't think any uh, lawmaker, Republican or Democrat, would turn down um, investments to ease housing issues in their community. Um, and and certainly I think that was one of the big things. Uh, if you want to attract more people, if you want to attract younger people, housing and the affordability of housing um, was a huge issue and remains a huge issue. Um, I also think it was you know interesting that uh, the governor at least touched on infrastructure, which was another big thing brought up by the Population Council. Um, but it didn't really have a whole ton of new ideas on on how to make the roads better. In particular, um, essentially, just highlighted the uh, um, the past bonding that's been approved. Um, just uh, it said she would call on the Department of Transportation to f- finish the job, finish the projects that are scheduled for this year. Um, and so, so that was another area 
um, where where she was uh, trying to harken back to some of what the council suggested. Uh, but you know, it, it remains to be seen whether uh, whether that will be enough to really um, in in increase uh, interest and uh, bring Michigan's population up to speed. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I, I want to switch subjects here uh, real quick and talk about the governor's comments on education, um, uh, both at the low end, uh, preschool, pre-K. Uh, she was uh, talking about expanding, of course, uh, opportunity for people to, to, to get those services here in Michigan. And then uh, at the other end, at the post-secondary uh, uh, level, she's talking about um, subsidizing uh, community college uh, for people. Uh, I saw a lot of uh, conservative backlash to these ideas, in particular uh, on social media last night, uh, uh, talking about you know giving away the store. How, nothing is free. How to, how can you describe these things as as free? It will cost. Uh, money. It does seem like uh, in a year like this, this these might be pretty tough things to, to to try to get through. Zach, what was your reaction to the education part of the speech? Well, I thought it was interesting that she really offered nothing new in the K twelve space. Mm-hmm. Like you said, there was preschool, basically speeding up this idea that the state's preschool program will be available to all four-year-olds sooner than she had initially planned two years sooner. Uh, And then this idea of the state picking up the cost of tuition for Michigan high school graduates at community colleges for two years. And my immediate thought on that was I I can think of 15 public universities that are going to have some serious questions about this, (laughs) because if it drives more graduates from high school into community college and not to four-year universities, uh, all but three of whom are, are kind of struggling right now with having enough students, they're, they're going to be concerned about this because it, it doesn't include going to a four-year university. Um, I, I think in general the idea is try to drive up the number of, of high school graduates with post-secondary credentials. Uh, this is you know, generally seen as increasing your uh, income-earning ability, There is, I think, some hope that maybe it encourages families to move to Michigan Mm -hmm. uh, and stay in Michigan knowing that, hey, I could send uh, my child to Wayne County Community College or Oakland Community College, Macomb Community College, and it won't cost me anything other, you know, with the state picking up the cost. So uh, that that being said, you know, there's so much concern right now about you know, stagnant to, you know, problematic test scores in the K-12 space and the declining public school, you know, K-12, traditional K-12 public school population. She didn't talk about that very much. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Lauren, what did you make of the, the absence of uh, talk about K-12 and this focus on uh, pre-K and, and community college? I, I want to quickly read a Twitter comment, Lauren, before I uh, come to you that's uh, directed at this. Uh, M Prize on uh, Twitter says it would be nice if it would be funding to cover vocational classes for adults, not just high schoolers. It would have been nice if they could have reduced cosmetology and borrowing school clock hours like it is in uh, Texas to an even 1,000 hours. Uh, uh, interesting kind of reaction to, to, to what she's talking about. Lauren, talk, uh, talk about what you thought of 
her focus on education yesterday. Yeah, I think to Zach's point, uh, there are a lot of different paths that students take um, if they're considering higher education or, you know, secondary education. And uh, this was a major focus on one of those paths. Um, and I think uh, I think your listener brings up a really interesting point that there's there's a lot of other things that people might be interested in doing other than community college. Certainly, um, the community colleges, I'm sure, are thrilled with this idea. Um, but yeah, I think the I think the um, focus, the the lack of focus um, in the speech on K-12 issues was noticeable, particularly because of the space that was given to pre-K, and uh, um, connecting more students with community college um, for free. But um, yeah, I think I think these are both things that the governor has proposed in the past um, and, and has been really interested in. She's taken a, a big role um, by by creating the My Leap department of, of the before K-12 and after K-12. So really, uh, really taking a lot of focus on the pre and post um k-12 education here um so so i think it is it is really interesting and we'll have to see as uh, she introduces the budget um what she has in mind for uh for students that are still in school uh greg you know, what yeah go ahead yeah i was just going to say i, I want to interject here on this on this particular point from this perspective the uh, the switch or putting the focus on getting a free education for people to go to community colleges is not just about siphoning students away from U of M and Wayne State in their first two years, but it's expanding the opportunity, from my perspective, on looking at the kinds of jobs that exist here where you don't need a college degree, but people are unable to get to them. Now, community colleges offer offer more than associate's degrees in history and accounting. They also give people the opportunity to go and become certified police officers mm -hmm. and go to firefighting school. There are other careers out there that uh, don't require a college degree in the aerospace industry, for example. That and the maritime industry, for example, where there have been pushes here locally to get people interested in those kinds of things. And so I can have an appreciation for, you know, U of M or somebody being, you know, a little concerned about what this is going to take from people. But the majority of colleges in the state have already are already bending over backwards to give students an opportunity to go to those four year institutions by saying, if you just graduate from any high school in the in the state, you can get into Central or Wayne State with a 3.0. And so and 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 the Michigan promise has been expanded to other universities as well. So folks are competing in that area for the same kind of students. What they're not competing for is for what most people will end up doing, uh, and that's working in jobs that don't require a college degree, and the community colleges offer an opportunity to do that. You know, it's, it's, it's unbelievable to me. It's amazing to me how much we don't know. Do you know right now anybody can go and get a job working in the maritime industry on one of the Great Lakes ships, you know? Um, you don't even need, you just got to be able to lift 50 pounds. Right. Right. And uh, and and that kind of thing. And after thirty days, you get your you get your your seaman union card, and you can work anywhere in the world. It's unbelievable that we do not tout those kind of things. 
And uh, uh, there's companies here like Collada Air, which is in Ypsilanti. They are hiring people here, shipping them up to Ascoda so they can learn how to work on aircraft frames, aircraft engines. And they hire them on the spot, give them a living wage, plus benefits. But people don't know about that. And, 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 and yeah. this opportunity that the governor is talking about goes way beyond trying to get a degree in whatever or MBA right, and whatever. Right. I mean, I think to, uh, I think to, the uh, concern that here that people just don't know about. Yeah, I think the concern would be, and and it, this isn't about community colleges uh, and and what they're doing. It is about the number of public uh, uh, universities that we have in the state and the, the you know the shrinking. Uh, population or the slow growing population that we have and whether we have too much, I guess, uh, at the higher ed uh, uh, level and and their concerns about declining enrollment and whether they would see this this community college uh, initiative as another reason that they might not get uh, students. I, I actually think uh, that that is quite real and and we probably will hear from them. Uh, pretty soon about uh, their objections to 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 that, or at least their concerns about it. But but what you're saying about community colleges and the role that they play is not is not uh, contradictory to that to that concern. I mean, it, it, there are two different things I think going on here. Um, right, uh, right. Yeah, yeah, we'll be right back with more Detroit today. Talking with Zach Gorcha, who is the executive editor and publisher of Gongwer News Service Michigan, and he is the co-host of the Mishmash podcast. Uh, also with us is Lauren Gibbons. She's a reporter who covers Michigan politics for Bridge Michigan. Greg Bowens is with us as well. He is a political and communications consultant here in Detroit. Uh, guys, I want to turn to the governor herself uh, for for just a minute uh, and talk about the attention that uh, she gets on a national level and the ambitions she may have uh, on a national level. Of course, this is a national election year as well. There are lots of things being talked about and uh, speculated about what will happen in the presidential election. Her name comes up an awful lot in the, in some of those uh, conversations. Speeches like the state of the state are a chance for her to, to showcase uh, herself uh, on a national level. I also heard recently that the governor has signed uh, a book deal uh, to, to have not a memoir uh, written, but but kind of a, a partial take on uh, her political career. Uh, that seems like something you'd do if you were thinking about uh, catapulting yourself onto the national stage. I, I wonder what we make of the speech yesterday and uh, the prospects for this governor uh, beyond the state of Michigan. Are they realistic? Uh, is it inappropriate to be thinking about it uh, at this point? Uh, what do we what do we make of that? Zach, I'll start with you. Well, I don't think there's any question uh, that the, the governor has become a significant national player in the in the Democratic Party uh, and, and clearly seems to be along with a few others like Vice President Harris and California Governor Newsom, maybe one or two others, uh, you know, kind of the next wave 
of leaders in the in the Democratic Party uh, nationally. Uh, you know, she was just on, uh, I believe, Meet the Press uh, over the weekend, mm-hmm. um, or it was Face the Nation. Sorry, CBS and NBC. <laughs> Can't remember which one it was. Uh, but she was just on a major national news show over the weekend. Continues to be in high demand among national media um, as sort of this example of. Uh, a person who got elected in a state that had been mostly under Republican control, it's kind of purple at a national level, and helped usher in a, you know the first Democratic control in, in 40 years. She you know is you know a very good speaker. She's always been very relatable, and these are the kinds of things, along with her fundraising prowess, that tend to attract national political attention. Uh, I don't believe there was anything in the speech last night, though, that will uh, catch fire nationally. And, mm-hmm. and usually her team is, is pretty astute about trying to create a vi- you know, kind of viral moment in these kinds of settings. But I, I didn't see one last night. Maybe I'll be proven wrong mm-hmm. uh, here in the next 24 to 48 hours. But I, I didn't see that. This did feel more Michigan focused, you know, with all the Detroit Lions references and, and so forth. Um, you know, there was a reference to, you know, libraries and, and books that, that, you know, and, and the, the wars that are culture wars that are happening there that, that did have some national, you know, maybe you know, draw. But I didn't hear that last night. Uh, and I was a little surprised by it. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Lauren, uh, her 80s rock references might be seen as uh, a chance to get her uh, more attention. Uh, that was kind of a funny part of, uh, of the speech. But but what did you make of what do you make of the governor's kind of positioning right now and uh, what this what role a speech like this might play in that positioning? Yeah, well, at least we are getting a little bit of a hint on what the governor's campaign playlist might look like <laughs> should she pursue some of those, some of those higher offices. Um, I think I think what this speech says in that context, um, you know, focusing on um, things that pretty much any voter can care about a little bit, housing, you know, whether they can afford secondary education, um, sending their kids to preschool, um, even the caregivers aspect, which we haven't touched on too much, focusing on things that regardless of political party, somebody is going to have some sort of connection to. I agree with Zach that this was a very Michigan focused thing, but I think in the national context, focusing on Michigan is what Whitmer does best. Um, she she has led the state and um, it's it's been um, something that's been looked at in national circles um, as as potentially something that could be copy pasted in other states uh, that are similar swing states to Michigan. So um, at least for now, you know, pending the results of 2024 and everything beyond, mm-hmm. um, you know, the, the governor is in a pretty a pretty decent spot. And I think she's uh, to to Greg's point earlier, it makes sense in that context that this was more of a look at what's happened over the last year under democratic control. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Greg, what, uh, what do you make of the governor? I think that, um, nationally and, and Zach and, and Laura have already pointed out that there wasn't a lot of drama or getting to the, some of the drama that's important to what's going on today. Like, 
she didn't mention redistricting and the efforts going on here to protect the right to vote, right, with mainly black Detroiters. And she didn't mention anything about Palestine uh, and the and the and the and the the troubles that we're facing there mm-hmm. as a party, as it relates to having a large Arabic population mm-hmm. and a large Jewish population here as well. And so uh, those were those had she talked about, you know, that definitely would have been making some news there just by mentioning it. Uh, and, and, and we didn't see that at the same time. One of the things that is not mentioned in the growth report that we've talked about here in this effort to get more people to come to Michigan, that is a part of why people move and is important as part of the national discussion, I think, is people want to go someplace where it's fun. (laughs) You know, I mean, young people move to Chicago or Atlanta or L.A. and stuff like that without a job, but because the opportunity to have fun, to get around and to get into a career, the synchronicity that kind of occurs there happens in these other places that need to happen here. So with the kind of victories that we have with U of M, with the Lions and all this stuff, it gives us an opportunity to highlight this state as a place where you can have fun as well and really get that spark going in life. I get that. I appreciate that. And you don't need to accomplish a lot in this legislative session. What you need to do and what's coming up is the Republicans standing in the way of the free lunch train. <laughs> now, come on. <laughs> you know, you, you can't want make hay out of that. You can't get some free lunch. Right. Yeah. You know, so you don't want it. You don't want to do you don't want that to happen. You don't want that to happen. OK, fine. Here's another example of the doom and gloom guys, the horse and buggy people who don't like electric cars, who don't want everybody to have a free lunch, who's mad about people being able to go to community college for free. I mean, you know, what is it that sets up the stage for what we are competing with? And I'm not worried at all about getting a Democratic majority under those kind of circumstances here and actually keeping the state blue. Now, I will say this. And Zach and Laura, you all know this, is that the Democratic Party nationally, you too, Stephen, have been looking at Michigan as an example of what you can achieve sure. to uh, to get a Democratic majority in a sweep. And so that victory, you know, that trifecta that happened in keeping the state blue, uh, making the state blue, uh, is something that's being paid attention yeah, to. It's kind of a blueprint. And people right? are trying to discover the secret sauce with that, yeah. you know, for other places. Yeah. I, I do want to. I don't see her. I don't see her. I don't see her. You know, going and being the energy secretary. Maybe she will. I mean, she's young. You know, yeah. she's in her early fifties. I think she might wait to the for the chance to actually run for something, right? Uh, so, so I want to. We're, we're going to run out of time, but uh, I want to quickly talk a little about uh, this this caregiver tax credit, which, which of course, was uh, oh, a centerpiece awesome. of. Uh, the governor's speech last night, uh, chances that that gets through uh, and what what opposition might exist uh, for it. Uh, Zach, uh, quickly, what 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 do you make of it? Big unanswered question is the price tag. Mm-hmm. You know, they're saying it's an up to a five thousand dollar credit. Uh, if you multiply that by the number of people they think might be eligible, that that's a budget a buster. So I'm assuming it, it's much smaller for most people than that. A lot of unanswered questions need to know the price tag. We'll find out February 7 when she presents her budget. Yeah. Yeah. Lauren, what do you think? Yeah. Um, yeah, I think there's a lot of, uh, there's uh, like many of the aspects of the state of the state, it really depends on the source of the funding and how much it ultimately will be. And uh, that's something that will probably come with the 
governor's budget presentation uh, next month. Yeah, uh, Greg, yeah, this idea gonna, of you know yeah. helping out people who are helping their families uh, does fit into that that democratic uh, agenda and that national uh, narrative. Right. Yeah, right. You know, you want to kill grandma. You don't want you don't want to help grandma. <laughs> You know, that's what you guys are all about. You don't want to help the four-year-olds. You don't want kids to get free lunch. You don't want grandma to get the kind of care that she can get from her son, her daughter, the people that care about her with a tax credit. Go ahead. Stand there. I submit to you that there will probably be something. They will probably give in on something because they don't want to kill grandma. You know? <laughs> yeah, maybe. Maybe. Maybe it all, maybe. Maybe maybe. It all works out. Right? <laughs> we'll see. Yeah. All right. Uh, Lauren Gibbons, Zach Gorchow, and Greg Bowens. It was really great to have all three of you here to talk about the governor's uh, state of the state. Up next, of course, is the budget address, and uh, we'll probably want to have you guys back to talk about what we see in terms of where the money goes with these priorities. But uh, thanks for joining us today. Yeah. Hey, thanks well, so much you know, for having me. Have a good one. Yeah. More porridge, please. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Today's episode of Detroit Today was produced by Sam Corey and Nick Austin. Our technical director and engineer is Nate Bender. Our assistant producer is Maddie Boyer. Editing and mixing is by Connor Anderson. Our music is by Sam Bobian and Will Sessions. Our podcast manager is David Lyons, and our program director is Adam Fox. Detroit Today is a production of WDET Public Radio. If you love the conversations we have on Detroit Today, consider donating to WDET, the public radio station in Detroit that we call home. If you want to be a part of the conversation and call in, you can listen live every day on WDET.org or on the WDET mobile app. Or if you live in Southeast Michigan and still love listening to good old-fashioned radio like me, tune in to 1019 FN.